Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Amen. May God add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. He was handsome with a fine head of hair. Think George Clooney rather than Groucho Marx. (laughs) He was winsome. He was charismatic. He was trouble with a capital T. He stoked cool, patient hatred in his heart for two years, giving no public clue of his animosity, then invited his brother to a party and had his henchmen murder him. Thereafter, fleeing the country, he was allowed to return later by his father, the king. He then began to assiduously court popularity, stealing the hearts of the nation with honeyed words, all part of his plan to seize the throne from his father by armed insurrection, a rebellion which was successful, forcing his father to flee. His name was Absalom. His story is found in 2 Samuel chapters 13 to 18. And as I said, he was trouble, big trouble. Absalom is the reason for Psalm 3, which I invite you to turn to now, being written. We see that from the title, where we read, A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Psalm 3 is a prayer whose context is terrible trouble. There are, of course, those who would debunk such prayer. Indeed, debunk any prayer. Those who say prayer is for wimps, for weak types, for those with trouble handling challenges. There are those who say prayer isn't something real men or women indulge in. They say prayer is for those failing to deal with life as it really is. Prayer is for those who have trouble coping with challenges. From the off, Psalm 3 begs to differ with such views. As just said, Psalm 3 is titled a Psalm of David, a prayer of David. David, of whom we don't have to read very much to understand that he was no shrinking violet. David, the shepherd boy who saw off wine and beer. David, the slayer of Goliath. David, the scourge of the Philistines. We know more about David than almost any other biblical character. We know from the Psalms he was much at prayer. We also know from the Psalms and from all the other biblical material of which David is central to that he saw much trouble. Trouble and prayer go hand in hand. Trouble pushes us to prayer. It's not the weak option. 
In the face of trouble, often it's the only option if we are to overcome. If we are in any doubt about this, we only need to look at the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A ministry which was punctuated by prayer. This culminating in the Garden of Gethsemane, where overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, Jesus poured out his heart in prayer and overcame. If we are his followers, that gives us a powerful pointer. As already alluded to, the background to Psalm 3 is David's son's Absalom's rebellion as he tries to snuff David out and seize the throne. The life of David is full of such incidents. Everyone's life is. Not perhaps the extreme trials that David experienced. Not a palace coup for most of us. And hopefully not a son's treachery. But certainly fear and failure. Conflict and criticism. Disappointment and difficulty, if not disaster. In short, trouble. None of us goes through life without, to a greater or lesser degree, knowing trouble. And as Christians, prayer is the way we traverse through such trouble. The kind of prayer we see in Psalm 3. Prayer in the face of foes. Prayer in the face of God. Prayer that brings peace. Prayer that brings deliverance. So, prayer in the face of foes. We read in verse 1, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many rise up against me. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Derek Kidner, the author of the Tyndale Commentary on the Psalms, said that to be in a minority is in itself a test of nerve, especially when that minority is shrinking. And that is the troubling situation David finds himself in. Again, read all about it in 2 Samuel. In the face of Absalom's successful rebellion, David finds himself outnumbered. He has to flee Jerusalem in fear of his life. He is in deep trouble. And it pushes him to prayer. Prayer in the face of foes. Many foes rise up against him, representing an undoubted physical threat. But the particular focus of David's prayer is the words of his foes. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You can't help but think that whoever coined those words was never on the receiving end of words that were intended to demean, to damage, to denigrate. And it seems here that it is David's foes' words rather than their weapons that are getting to him. God will not deliver him, are the words on many lips. The cumulative effect of words on many lips can be catastrophic. Tragic stories regarding social media evidence that. Words can corrosively destroy people. Words like those spoken against David. Words that grate with him all the more because they don't mean that God cannot help him, but that he won't. It can be tempting to believe such words. For of course the truth is, we don't deserve the least of God's mercies. 
what to do in such circumstances. Do as David did. He takes it to the Lord in prayer. Takes it to the one God who, his force says, wants nothing to do with him. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do we deserve to be heard? No. Will we be heard? Yes, says Psalm 3. So in the face of those things which will confront us in the coming week, in the face of trouble, in the face of foes, Psalm 3 says, pray. Do what David did in the psalm. Pour out your heart to the God who cares. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield you. Thou wilt find a solace there. In the face of foes, whoever those foes are, a belittling boss, a nasty neighbor, a controlling colleague, pray. We stand to sing Mission Praise 746. What a friend we have in Jesus. Mission Praise 746. Prayer in the face of foes and prayer in the face of God. Prayer enables us to enter the presence of God. Do we ever stop to consider how incredible it is that we are able to do so? As mere mortals, we can enter the presence of Almighty God, the God who was and is and is to come. How incredible to be able to draw near him and see him, as it were, face to face. This, again, is what David does, and it changes his perspective entirely. In the face of many, many foes, the but you of verse 3 is the turning point in David's situation as he turns from his enemies and fills his vision with his God, affirming, but you are a shield around me, O Lord. And this changes things for David. He sees the kind of God he has, a protecting God. You are a shield around me, he declares. That is exactly the kind of God he so desperately needed as Absalom's powerful forces threatened. And he was left feeling incredibly vulnerable. I do not know the kind of situations you will find yourself in in the coming week. I do not know the depth of your need in these circumstances. But I do know that you and I have exactly the kind of God we need for every situation we will find ourselves in, for the very worst of circumstances. We have a protecting God, a God who, as David says, is a shield around his people. David sees a protecting God. He also sees a sufficient God. You bestow glory on me, says David to his God. Glory is a word that denotes weightiness, substance, wealth. As David prays this prayer, he is fleeing from Jerusalem in the face of Absalom's advance. 
as he does so, he's being divested of his glory, the weight, the wealth, the substance of his kingdom. All of that is being left behind in Jerusalem, and yet he has all the glory he needs in the living God himself. What the living God imparts of himself is sufficient. In such dire straits, pushed to prayer by trouble, face to face with God in prayer, David sees his God for what he is, a God of glory who bestows glory. And that comforts David's soul, gives him a proper perspective as to what really matters in his situation. What really matters in David's situation is that his God is with him is that his God is a God of glory, able to bestow glory. And it's prayer that provides this perspective. The prayer that brings the one praying, whether David or any other disciple, face to face with God. Prayer that changes their perspective. David's situation has not altered. He's not miraculously been whisked away of harm's way. He's still very much in the firing line. But he sees the God to whom he is praying. And that changes how he looks at things. How he looks at what surrounds him. He sees a God who is sufficient for any and all circumstances. Do we see the same God? The God who in Jesus Christ is sufficient for any and all circumstances any circumstances we might find ourselves in. This is the God David sees, a sufficient God. And face to face with such a God, he also sees a restoring God. David says to his God, you lift up my head. In Genesis 40, Joseph speaking to the imprisoned cupbearer of the king says, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. Our God is able to restore, able to lift up our head, lift up those bowed down by all manner of acknowledged shortcomings and selfishness, all manner of sins. David's present situation is part of the living, part of the living God's judgment on his adultery with Bathsheba and murder of Uriah recorded in 2 Samuel 11. In the aftermath of this shocking episode, David doing what was evil in God's eyes, despising God's word, the prophet Nathan declares to him in Samuel 12 and verse 11, this is what the Lord says, out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Sin has its consequences, always and ever, for David, for you, for me, for anyone. David's head is bowed. Bowed because of sin. But face to face with God in prayer, he sees the one, the only one who can lift up his head. The only one who can restore. He sees the God who in sheer grace continues to draw near sinful humanity, draw near to save. David sees the God who is accessible, accessible in prayer all of the time, no matter when or where. This implies by verse 4 
to the Lord I cry aloud. He answered me from his holy hill. At this point, David is in flight from God's holy hill, going as fast from it as his legs can carry him. But his prayer gets there. Even when David has no physical access there, no matter where we are, we can be face to face with God in prayer. We have 24-7 access. Face to face with God in prayer, David fills his vision with the character of his God. Some time back, I read the book The Flags of Our Father by James Bradley. It recounts the story of the awful battle of Ayajuma towards the latter part of the Second World War. The Japanese held the ions. It was a terrible battle. Out of the battle came a very famous photograph of Marines raising the American flag over the islands. It was an iconic image, which appeared in papers all over the United States, including a hometown Texas newspaper. As one of these was being read by Ed Block, home and leave from the RAF, sorry, from the Air Force, wrong country. As Ed was reading that newspaper, his mother, Belle, walked past, glanced at the photograph, pointed to the Marine, thrusting the pole down into the ground, and told Ed, that's your brother, Harlan. Ed disagreed. There was no side view, just the back of the Marine. Besides, they didn't even know if Harlan was on Iwo Jima. But Belle was sure. As she strode into the kitchen, she simply said, I know my boy. Now, the figure was actually identified as one Henry Hansen. But Belle was still unmoved. She knew her boy. Sadly, the family soon received word that Harlan had been killed in action on Iwo Jima. But in 1947, the family received notification of a correction regarding the photograph. Henry Hansen had not been in the picture. The lad thrusting the pole into the ground was Harlan. Bell Block was hardly surprised. I know my boy, she said. This is the kind of thing that David is saying in verses 3 to 4. I know my God. In the face of foes, in the face of threats, in the face of trouble, in prayer, David turns his face to the face of God, turns his eyes to his protecting, sufficient, restoring, accessible God. His foes may consider him beyond help, but face to face to God in prayer, David looks to his Savior, the God he knows. Prayer in the face of foes, prayer in the face of God. We stand to sing Mission Praise 51. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Mission Praise 51.
prayer in the face of God, prayer that brings peace. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands up against me on every side. This peace is both immediate, enabling him to sleep the first night and into the foreseeable future, sustained by the living God. Sustained by the living God, David is not held in the grip of fear. In the midst of trouble, the living God gives peace. And sometimes he may do so immediately. In his teens, her son Andrew was attacked, seriously injured, and had to undergo an emergency operation. That completed, we were advised to go home and get some sleep. We did and slept. And I believe that the peace to do so at that time, when there was so much to fear, came from God. For many people were praying for us that night. We cannot, of course, state categorically that that will happen in every instance. But he is the God who is able, able to sustain, able to bring peace in the midst of trouble. Prayer that brings peace and prayer that brings deliverance. But David's words, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God, in verse 7, tell us that this deliverance has not yet actually happened. David has peace, but Absalom's forces are still on the loose, wanted to do for David and seize the throne. And yet, David is sure of deliverance. Because as Bell Block knew her son, so David knows his God and is certain of rescue. He knows his God, the God who delivers, delivers his people out of Egypt, delivers them out of exile in Babylon, delivers them out of sin and death through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. On this, his people can rest secure. But then, the latter part of verse 7 carries with it very violent imagery that sometimes makes folk nervous. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. These aren't words that you might usually associate with a prayer meeting. <laughs> David's uncompromising words regarding his enemies mean that Jerusalem dentists are going to be working overtime. <laughs> and some get disturbed with such vengeful language. But clearly in this prayer, David is committing vengeance to God, asking him for deliverance, affirming that vengeance belongs to God. And that, of course, as you would expect, is very biblical. Romans 19 and verse 12 declares in the RSV translation, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And if 
and if deliverance is going to come to David, then God will have to bring down those who are intent on bringing down his chosen king. Bessie, the Burmese python, was accidentally set loose in an Idaho housing complex. A squad of plumbers were called in to find the eight-foot reptile. I wonder what the call-out charge was for that. <laughs> they found Bessie in the ceiling space below her owner's home. But it took two weeks to do so. And for those two weeks, neighbors were nervously checking beneath their beds and other possible hiding places for the huge snake. After hearing of Bessie's capture, one resident said, we'll definitely sleep better. Putting yourself in that guy's place, that's perfectly understandable. Until the threat was removed, it would have been hard to feel secure. That's the way it is in David's situation. Only his foes are much more dangerous than a pet python. For David to have deliverance, his foes must be dealt with. He can have no lasting security until that is so. In verse 8, David affirms, from the Lord comes deliverance. So in the midst of this terrible trouble, David prays for that deliverance, seeking God's blessing in the harsh reality of his life situation. Committing things to God in prayer is not a retreat from reality. Prayer puts us in touch with the ultimate reality, the maker and judge of all the earth, the one to whom in the midst of trouble we can reach out in prayer, prayer in the face of foes, whoever those foes are, prayer in the face of God, prayer by those who along with David can say, I know my God. No, he is protecting, sufficient, restoring, accessible. Prayer that brings peace. Prayer that brings deliverance. Prayer isn't for wimps. Prayer is for people like David. Prayer is for people who can say, I know my God. Prayer is for those, whether David or any other disciple, who in the troubles of life are pushed to prayer. Those who in prayer come to the living God for his blessing. Because like Bell Block knew her boy, they know their God. If we are people of the book, people of faith, those in Christ, we know our God. We know Jesus. We know the God who in Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. The God who in the face of lack of faith, doubt, denial, desertion, and betrayal from his disciples kept on loving, kept on going, kept on to the cross, kept on to the last breath, dying, rising to life, and ascending on high, where at the Father's right hand, he is interceding for us. Those in Christ know their God. Nothing we can do can make him love, can make him love us anymore. Nothing we can do can make him love us any less. And if God in Jesus Christ is for us, then who can be against us? The God we can pray to in the face of foes 
pray to face to face. Prayer that will bring peace. Prayer that will bring deliverance. This is the God we can come to in prayer. Is this the God we know? Amen. As the offering is brought forward, we sing Mission Praise 331 in heavenly love abiding. Mission Praise 331. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God that we can come to in prayer. We do so now, remembering your world, a dangerous world, Father. We lift up to you the situation concerning Iran and the United Kingdom and many other nations. We pray, Father, that you would give those involved wisdom and courage. May your hand be upon them. And we think, Father, of our place here. And as we can pray, so we pray, Father, for the family day this coming Saturday. We pray that your good hand would be upon the preparations. And we ask that as we meet people in the community, so you'd be with us and give us the words we need that will say that we belong to you, that will say that we are people of faith, people who believe in Jesus, those who seek to follow him. These things we ask, Father, as we give you thanks for all that you have given us and place before you these our offerings, asking that you would take them and bless them and use them mightily for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon.